The key thing is you really do want to be working with、um, a leadership team who is committed to this、uh, and not just doing it because they're ticking a box. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number three hundred and sixteen. Today is Sunday, the twenty fourth of February, two thousand and nineteen, and this interview is with James Bidwell. James is the author of the best-selling Disrupt. He's also chair of the Innovation and Tech Trends Observatory, Springwise, and co-founder of Reset, a leading transformation and innovation consultancy for the disruption economy based out of the UK. In this conversation with James, we discuss and spar. About the most important new tech trends, some of the key lessons about innovation from his book Disrupt, what leaders need to do to succeed in digital transformation, and how tech can help change and improve the world. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host. And you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show, James Bidwell. How about that? How lovely to have you on my show. You and I have known each other for a few years, and the funny course of nature has led us to be on something of a similar path. You're a founder entrepreneur. You have been looking as an observatory of new tech, and you wrote. A best-selling book, "Disrupt: How a Hundred Lessons in Business Innovation," which was published in、uh, just November two thousand and seventeen. So, James, in your own words, who are you? That's a very good question.、Um, the first thing is, it's lovely to see you again and and to be with you on the podcast. And as you say, I think it's well over thirty years since we last connected.、Um, you don't look any different.、Um, <laughs> And、uh, and it's great to be, as as you said, also on a, on a similar path in 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 life now. But、um, having been on very different journeys, I suspect. But、um, my life now is、um, as the chair and owner of a business called Springwise.、Uh, Springwise is the leading innovation intelligence platform in the world, which tracks startups and、uh, innovators from around the world, and publishes the best every day on its、uh, on its website. Um, and I also do a couple of other things. I have a business called Reset, which is a consultancy that helps people、um, understand the future and organisations figure out how to leverage innovation and transformation in order to create、um, businesses which are fit for purpose in this this very fast changing world.、Um, and then my final string to my bow is I work a little bit in, in investment in. Um, in helping、uh, disruptive investments、um, and invest in technologies and businesses, which are first of all、uh, disrupting the status quo, and secondly, making the world a better place. Well, that's a wonderful combination, and indeed, many synergies between what you do, because Springwise allows you to sort of have a, the binoculars to see what's happening in the future, and then you can just plow money into the ones that are going to win. I mean, as much as one can ever make a bet like that. So much easier said than done, but I think what is really fascinating is having the leverage of Springwise, where we have、um, informers or spotters in in over 190 countries. So we really have this、um, very very、uh, different lens on the world. And Springwise has been going since 2002, so it has a great network of、um, people who are engaged in what we're doing and who send us great ideas every day to research and、uh, and then publish the the, the best ones. 
And as you say, the investment game is, um, is, is a little bit more tricky, but it certainly informs everything we do. And, and being able to look at the outliers on a daily basis, it does help us see things as they're emerging almost in, in real time, um, as well as uh, seeing the most incre- incredible endeavors of, of people all around the world who are mostly seeking to you know, see if they can make the world a, a better place slightly. Um, and, and that, of course, is something that we all need a lot in this day and age. It most certainly is. So, James, the, the remarkable thing is I certainly came across Springwise well before understanding that you were involved. When I was working at, at NetExplo, an observatory of new tech in France, uh, it was one of the uh, sources and one of the places I would uh, want to check out for what you were coming across. So, Tell us a little bit more about how you came into Springwise and then I'm really interested to find out how Springwise works and and understand maybe the, the model in terms of making an observatory, which is what I would think of it as, on new tech uh, function. It's a great it's a great way of looking at it actually as an observatory. So I mean the story Springwise started as a blog in two thousand and two um and became very successful. It was one of the first uh, blogs out there that was looking at what was new and looking at innovators and and outliers um, and it and it never really um, never really got a business model behind it so it kind of it, it, kept, it kept publishing great great content um, and it was it was founded by founded by a guy called Rainier Evers who who has become a good friend and five years ago I was looking at um, changing my direction of travel from working in big corporates um, and effectively working for other people. Um, not really being the master of my own destiny, um, and I was thinking of, of what I might do. And I met Rainier, and he was um, kind of he was open to suggestions of, of selling me Springwise. So after about six months of discussions, um, he said, "Yeah, you, you, you're a good guy to, to take this on," and um, and I and I took it on, and I've learned an enormous amount since. But um, it's it's an so 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 it sort of it, it was born out of me wanting to make quite a radical change in my life. Um, and it became a, uh, an opportunity um, for me to kind of build out other business interests uh, on my own terms, which has been so far very successful and, and great fun, albeit with, with many rocky moments um, on the way through. And, and Springwise is really simple in that it has this great network, which is testament to the my forebears in the Springwise who, who built it up over time and a really quite a significant audience um, across the world. So it has more uh, more more readers in America than it does in Europe, for example, although we're based in London. And the idea is to bring the latest innovation ideas and inventions um, from business schools, uh, research departments, startup academies, um, in real time to our readers and our audiences. And so we, the model is we have spotters um, who, set, who spot, send us the ideas. We then have real people. So we don't have any kind of edit. Um, we don't have any kind of tech involved in the, in the selection process. That's all done in old fashioned editorial um, in an editorial way. And then we have writers who research, um, make sure that they're real innovations and that they stack up and that they're actually, um, they're not just someone flying a kite and trying to get on to Springwise. And then we publish very quickly. So we publish three a day. Um, we write two or three paragraphs about them. We say where they're from, why they're relevant, um, and how they connect with other innovations. So over time, you can imagine that we built up a huge um, kind of 
set of information and intelligence about um, uh, which now allows us to kind of spot emerging trends sort of before they happen, if you like. Um, and so it's a very simple and it's on a digital platform at springwise.com. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out to around 70,000 people, um, which is free. And then after that, there's a, a subscription model behind it to um, make sure that we can all eat. Um, and uh, we go from strength and strength to strength. Um, and that's really how it how it works. The spotters, what's in it for them? So spotters, the answer to that question is, is different things are in it for different people. So lots of spotters like to be featured on Springwise. So Springwise has something of a cult following. It's because it's been around for so long. It's well known amongst the people who know it. Um, and there's a sort of kudos about being being on there saying spotted by Minter, for example, on the homepage of Springwise. That's kind of a quite a big thing. Other people are, um, we get a lot of students who are sort of in the know and looking around and they need a little bit of extra cash. So they get a little bit of extra cash if, they're, if their spotting is published. Um, some people do it um, spot, you know, every single day and they do it as a kind of a mini income. So we give a little, a little stipend to people if, they, um, if something's published. We have a guy in Mumbai who sits and um, takes photographs of the local papers every day and, t- and spots things and, you know, and sends them in. And sometimes we publish them, sometimes we don't. So, so there's all sorts of different reasons. And I think one of the attractive things is the very eclectic mix of people um, who spot and they're real people. So we're not um, the form of journalism where someone sits in the room and just surfs the Internet. We're completely the old fashioned way of real people sending us real ideas, which we get to our customers in real time. It makes a lot of sense. And it was absolutely is very absolutely the same type of model as NetExplore, where and what's something I really appreciated in your book, James, with Disrupt is this notion of the diversity of uh, locations where these things are made. In other words, not everything is born in Silicon Valley. And so you you have, you know, from around the world, which involves sometimes a very cultural context through which or because of which the innovation comes around. So I'm, I'm really keen that we um, there are two things we do. We, we, we care deeply about full geographical coverage and we look a lot at the particularly at the moment. There's a lot coming from Africa. There's a lot coming from India extraordinary, not maybe not extraordinarily, but Australia and New Zealand punch massively above their weight. Clearly, there's still quite a lot out of the West Coast um, and from um, from the U.S. Uh, across the board, but we we care we care a lot about that geographical split so that we get a a really good balance. So something that's happening in Sao Paulo is just as relevant as something is happening in um, San Francisco, and if it comes from uh, Ecuador or Bolivia, I'm really excited to see things coming from there. Um, so that's that's re- really really important, and I think. Um, that depth uh, of coverage is is something that that does uh, really define um, the Springwise kind of brand, if you like. Uh, and and the other thing to say on that is that we are not just about tech. So, uh, and I think actually we become more and more relevant as the tech backlash uh, is fueling up at the moment. And we really have cared always about uh, innovations that are um, analog and that are thinking about life in the most simple terms. So an example of that would be. The, uh, the in Cape Town, a lady, an amazing lady, developed some backpacks for kids, um, which were solar powered. In that they, um, on the back of them, they had a little solar panel, and then at the end of the day, they were able to get back to their homes, and and they didn't have light for homework, so they took the solar panel off the back of the 
backpack and that turns into a little light for them to read by in the evening. So, and, and the backpacks were made of recycled garbage bags picked up by ladies in the slum that they lived in. So you really, um, that kind of stuff is not, not only incredible endeavor, but also in, incredible intelligence and, and positive change. And for me to be in a business that is allowing oxygen for that kind of innovation, interestingly, that was picked up by uh, the Red Bull Academy and they, they did a big order and also Bill Gates mentioned it. And we, we believe that both of those were because this had appeared on Springwise. So again, that kind of um, having that impact is, is all you really need, isn't it? It certainly is, James. And one of the things that's very apparent in reading your book is the it seems that many of the innovations are laced with responsibility. So that is a very strong personal um, passion and point of view that I have. So I was in, as you know, in marketing and running businesses for a long time, but always sort of in the face of the consumer. And for a while now have been predicting and thinking that not only are we absolutely consuming far too much stuff, um, but also that um, the businesses that will thrive in the future will be uh, businesses that put responsibility, both environmental and social, at the heart of um, what they are doing and at the heart of their purpose. So, um, and, and so when I was looking at the kind of innovations that we wanted to feature in the book and, and thinking about that, I guess I took a slightly future view and, and ensured that that message was coming across. So if there's a if there's a teaching which would be far too much, although it is called a hundred lessons in business innovation, um, it would be that um, you know that we we all need to think about life in, in through that lens. And therefore the the book is you can see also from the cover it's you know kind of a, a green eco-y looking looking cover. But it's not a, these are real examples and it's not it's certainly not a it's it's not preaching but it is just observing that um, there is innovation which is, as you say, laced with these these more positive change messages um, mm. out there all around the world. And there are amazing people creating things that are going to help us change the world. Another message that struck me in your book, nice and hard, because I had to read the sentence a couple of times, was the money is in the content providers, not the content producers. Use words to that effect, and in other words, the people who are curating and distributing the content is where the money is, as opposed to the people who are producing the content. And and you talk about that with regard to influencers and and the way companies are are trying to drive their business. And so at some level, it was like, oh well, that's exactly what Springwise is. They're not creating the innovations, but they are certainly selecting the ones that are most interesting, and making money from that. So I think um, so I think that the, what I wrote about was in reference I think more to the major tech businesses who are you know who have basically cornered the the market for distribution and therefore the advertising um, the advertising dollars. Interestingly, Springwise now is not really in the advertising market. Um, we have a few sponsorships, but it's 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 just not a viable business proposition. Um, the creation and the journalism is very very important to what we do. Um, but the curation is also uh, very, very important. And we do actually communicate and talk to the to all the people who we are writing about. So we we aim to, you know, to be a champion, if you like, for the innovators. 
Uh, I wish I could tell you that it was a, a fantastically profitable business model. Um, it, it feels sometimes uh, like it's uh, a business, you know, it's, it, it, need, it matters a lot, therefore mm-hmm. we continue to do it. I mean, certainly there are other things that are more lucrative that I've, I've done and, and do also do. But in a way, it, it informs everything and it, it, keeps, us, it keeps, us, um, keeps us honest because mm-hmm. uh, it, it lets us know every single day that there are people out there trying. And I do think... Um, I do think genuinely that we are slightly ahead of the market. And I think as the tipping point comes, and we, we, we listened last week to um, Attenborough and Prince, and Prince, and yeah, Prince Davos. Maria Davos, you know, talking about the, all of these things that we know, but we, don't, we fail to do something about. Uh, I think that is definitely a, there's a moment in time coming where, this kind of content will be more and more appreciated and people are not just looking for the next tech thing that's going to make everyone money uh, and only money and not have a care a damn about making the world a better place. Uh, as an example is these bicycles in, in China that are turning into just landfill hell because they're being left all over the place. Right. I think there's a business called Fo, which is just, you know, a, a ridiculously damaging for the environment and actually has now gone bankrupt, which is um, probably deserved just. to. And, you know, and, and we're not so. So I think the moment for there's still, of course, that the, the outrageous valuations for the Ubers, Airbnbs and Facebooks and all of those guys. But we're probably will hit a tipping point where people look for simplicity and look for um, organizations or ideas which are both improving people's lives and. And I mean, uh, you know, environmentally, socially, as well as making money. And I know that all of those companies would argue that they improve people's lives, but they do that do so at massive cost to our world, which cannot go on. So I don't know quite what I can't remember the question I've been ranting, but it's good. It's good. So, um, you know, thinking of this notion of curation, uh, first, there's the how do you sift through so many fascinating things and come up with what is the trend because you know how do you compare vr for cooling burn victims with a backpack that has a battery pack yeah so i think we're you know what's what's great is the inbound is is highly informative so we are um although we do search as well so we we do source innovations and we look we have teams who will kind of go out and look for certain themes if if uh, particularly if, if uh, any of our um, customers are interested in them more interesting, but we have a very good view of just what from just what comes in, and you can start to think of you can start to see things like in drones coming through. You know, four or five years ago, you know the the rise of three D printing, which we we wrote about, but then never kind of really cut through. But now is cutting much cutting through again with medical and all of those sorts of things. So prototyping, we we have very smart editors basically who who look at this, and our criteria for publishing. Is to is that it's genuinely something we haven't seen before, so it has to sort of stack up to be this is genuinely different. It's genuinely doing something different to um, what we've you know something else the other things in our universe, and that informs it. So when we were looking um, for the for the for disrupt the book, we we chose we we decided it was you know it was nice to have a hundred innovations. So we have ten thousand on the site, so we had to choose a hundred, <laughs> which was already quite hard work. And then in order to choose the chapters, um, so we have 10 chapters and we have everything from the sharing economy, uh, entertainment, workplace, communication, education, retail, travel, sustainability, obviously. But we 
we chose the 10 chapters based on the macro issues we we saw in the world at that moment in time and it's um it's extremely uh you know in a way very subjective from our springwise team and and our spotters and our universe but in a in another way our universe is fairly informed and it's not a bad litmus test in terms of what's happening out there so we 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 uh so we selected those themes and of course we also selected themes where we knew we could do it we had brilliant innovations to, to sure, talk about. of course one of the things that struck me was you know at one time i'm when i was looking at the overview you have retail and health which seem to be like sectors and yep. so is entertainment by the way at the same time within any company there can be entertainment and one of the examples that really I, I don't remember exactly the one which one it was, but it was the use of gaming so that if you did well in a certain game, then you got access to more media like in a, it was some yep. publisher. And I, I, I love that example. And that really is the kind of example that any company, any sector looking at content could integrate if that was part of their strategy and, and maybe their wider public population. So the real trick with Springwise, as I have now understood after all these many years in looking at it, is is the lateral thinking that it inspires. So where where I think, and if you're particularly in, in big organizations, they are obsessed by their own vertical, their own sector. They're obsessed by their day job. It's very hard to have any time to look outside. And Springwise is the antithesis of that. Springwise spends its, spends its whole life going, looking at things from the lateral point of view, looking at different geographies, looking at different sectors, different verticals, different themes, and looking to cross-connect all of that in order to find a better way forward. And as, as businesses are being disrupted, and we find this with our consultancy reset, is we use the Springwise ideas to help kind of big old businesses and corporations think in a way that they've never thought about before. And because these innovations are all real, there, there's someone doing these things in somewhere, you know, somewhere around the world. And because they are, you know, they're all telling a different, a, a certain story. Um, they're not, um, they're not threatening for big corporations because they're little. Um, but they're highly inspiring and energizing. So I guess the, to come back to your point, what I wanted to do with this, um, kind of set of contents or chapter headings, if you like, is combine sector and theme and see if I could sort of, uh, even in the contents, try to, you know, set an example that is just not about verticals. And we've got one on this industry and that's that industry. Um, but it's about themes that can cross cross over. So workplace, everyone workplace is relevant to everyone, but it's also particularly relevant to people who are supplying offices. So it has those those nuances throughout it. Indeed. And unlike Future Proof, you really didn't go at it from a technological standpoint or, or you know, to my I mean, in the way we looked at it, of course, we were looking more at the mindset, but we structured it around technologies. And in reading it, James, as you know, I'm close to this topic. Um, we voluntarily didn't choose to talk about virtual reality, whereas you cited some enormously wonderful cases of VR. And, and you mentioned drones, which is another topic or technology that we didn't yeah. want to focus yeah. in on. But we have to make these choices, and and the idea, as you say, anyway, is to get them, you know, to think differently about the way they run business. For me, it's about, as you say, I'm not, I'm less interested in uh, 
you know, in in the technology. I mean, I think technologies are, are you know, they're in, more enablers than um, than they are, you know, they start as original ideas. But I'll give you an example. So for me, the drone example that I love in the book is um, this drone called Pouncer, which is a drone that flies into <laughs> war zones. Edible. It takes in um, it takes in supplies uh, and drops them in war zones, which means that it's it's not going in a plane, so you don't have the risk of a plane chucking stuff out with a parachute, and so there's a risk to the pilots. But when it lands with the supplies, um, you discover that um, part of it turns into firewood, and another part of it is edible. So actually, the wings of the drone are edible. So you kind of, you know, who came up with the edible drone? But it brings you to think about a drones as a force for good rather than just um, delaying planes at Gatwick, um, but also, you know, someone has really thought through something that is, you know, potentially going to make is a life or death um, application of this of this technology. So it's really, really using it for as a force for good, and and so and that can, you know, whatever your whatever area you're trying to explore, that that is 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 a very inspiring and and I guess purposeful story. So so we we try to. Think about, I guess, the story and the positive change at the at the heart of it, and then and why this innovation matters, if you like, and then the the the, the technology behind it is is not secondary, but it's it's sort of within that context. So, James, I thoroughly want everyone who's listening to go out and download, disrupt, or or buy it on Amazon. More in your other wheelhouse is this notion of digital transformation at reset. And it's obviously a hot topic, and it'll be interesting to hear from you in the work that you do on transformation. What are, in your mind, leaders getting wrong when they go about getting transformation? Because so many of these programs are not working. Yeah, so so it's the question. Um, where So we have a few golden rules that, that we, um, and, I, and I would sort of say, I guess, if you don't follow the golden rules, you, you threaten your um, programs. The first is it has to be driven from the top of the organization or with real authority um, in, and real kind of clout. So, you know, if you haven't got the board or the CEO, we find it's very difficult to push programs into the organization. Secondly, it's, you have to have an element of it outside business as usual. Um, so you can't expect people to do their day jobs um, and uh, you know and and take on a whole lot of other transformation work at the same time. Um, but but the third thing, it needs to be connected enough into business as usual um, in order to be able to come back in. So it needs to be connected into the the main main part of the business. And where we have seen big sort of failures is where. Uh, there's a lot of money invested in some startup hub, you know, in some other part of the city that's a bit more cool and groovy. There's a whole load of startups brought in that may be relevant and a lot of money invested in them, but without any real understanding of where the ROI and governance is around that. And so there's some big high profile cases of that just being a complete disaster because there's been no way of governing it. So one of the things that we've developed at Reset is um, an innovation operating system which has governance, it has board level credentials. Uh, my business partner is a private equity trained uh, banker slash digital specialist so we have everything with through the lens of, of, of the financials as well as my more creative um, viewpoint. 
And and so when you when you get the kind of the ingredients of leadership engaged, you're starting, you're working in an agile manner to, to get things off the ground. You're lighting small fires of success around the organization. And over time, you shift the culture and the culture changes and you become more of an innovative business, which helps you be resilient, you know, build in resilience and future proofing as well as, um, in many cases, change your business model in order to be fit for future. So that's a slightly, maybe a slightly long answer. Um, the key thing is you really do want to be working with um, a leadership team who is committed to this uh, and not just doing it because they're ticking a box. In your point number three, it, which was about this notion of, I would say, almost outsourcing innovation, there are many models for a big company to try to figure out how to become quicker, more agile, uh, upgrade their innovation cycle, and so on. One of which is doing, becoming part of a uh, accelerator, or as you said, have this you know, buy a startup in in Clerkenwell or something, whatever. And then oh, well, that's how we're going to become cool. Some perhaps is every one of these models could could work. Uh, just like many technologies work, but the issue is the mindset and they're trying to acquire growth, which is what this amounts to, as opposed to organically creating the mindset and organically having the innovation coming from within. It it seems like it's a quick road to nowhere. So I, I think you're, you know, you're right in many cases, you, this is why a lot of these programs fail. I think one of the most important things, um, that we've seen is the importance of the cultural change. So really a lot of this is around um, creating a shift in culture in an organization to allow it to be more open to transformation and innovation and to be more agile and flexible. So if you believe that the pace of change only continues to accelerate um, and you believe that that is going to continue to disrupt any business model and all the evidence points to that, then the best thing you can have is a very flexible and agile organization with smart people who are, um, you know, have the license to, to, um, make the changes and, and, and kind of innovate where they need to. And, and part of the really, and part of the kind of success of that is, is, is also being, um, aware of the innovation around the world that's happening. So, so we find that Springwise, when an organization has a Springwise membership, for example, and they, they're seeing these innovations coming through every single day, even in the finance team or the, the teams, the legal teams, which are not necessarily so creative, um, but, I, but I don't want to do them a disservice, but who are not in the front line with consumers, they're still seeing all this stuff that's going on around their industry and they're opening up to change so that when the debate happens at board level and they're in the room, they're, they're, they're already a little bit down the line. So we do say that um, intelligence and so that awareness is really important. The impact of having teams in the business to do stuff so we will go in and we will do stuff, but we will do that on the proviso that we'll be out after a year or 18 months because we're going to transfer that skill set and that cultural change. And then, you know, businesses do need to invest in it, but they need to invest in a way that is um, tempered with proper governance and proper a proper system. So, you know, so there are and there are massive um, examples of big organizations, you know, getting this completely wrong. And then uh, we're we're very excited to see, particularly amongst some of our clients, some really good success. But you tend to have success starting quite small, and then growing over time. 
and and when you see you've disrupted a business model and changed changed a business that was going downhill to a business that's going uphill, that's extremely um, gratifying. It seems that starting small is one of the keys, and then probably having making sure how linked it is straight up to the strategy, and then there's this other one or maybe two. One of them is a little bit of luck, and the narrative. And 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 it it's not all either rocket science or predictable. There are elements that are of hazard and and the fit of chemistry is not something you can always anticipate, like you and your partner. So last question for you, James. You've worked in business in a very serious capacity. You have great credentials. You see a lot of interesting companies and, and especially with your stock and, and where we're, we're based in, in Britain. I was wondering to what extent things like fun and personality and sense of humor, politics, all these things which are typically out of the domain of professional are relevant in, in this world that we're living in and as we face transformation. So one of the great things about what I do now, and I think you would, I hope, say the same about what you do now, is like it's it's terrific fun. So I'm amazed that I'm still relevant at my my old age, still and still able to um, really really enjoy my work in a way that I have never I haven't before in 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 bigger organisations. So that kind of sense of, I guess, responsibility, accountability, but also autonomy is is a really powerful com- um, combination, and it allows me and my teams to. Um, you know, the great thing about being a consultant is you're you're in a helicopter and you're slightly divorced from all the politics and the kind of the stuff that that bogs people down. So you can help move much faster than than people who are maybe concerned about you know what their next promotion is going to be and you know what their boss thinks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I find that incredibly stimulating and incredibly exciting. I um, I also think that we are. You know, we're leading a very small movement of change, which is which is really positive and really powerful. As I think I've said to you, we're a member of One Percent for the Planet, so we give one percent of our fees and our sales to environmental causes. We're pending to be a B corporation, so we're not quite big enough yet to to be a full member. But we are taking into account um, those sort of values, which are which are more than just the the making the money. Um, and I and the other, I think that the, the most exciting things is when you see your partners, your clients um, succeeding and also starting to discuss whether they might become a B corporation as well. And would that be a good, would that be a good, um, a good outcome? So, so that ability to influence is terrific fun. We also have uh, the opportunity. We're based in Somerset house in um, central London, one of the most uh, extraordinary creative communities in London, the largest creative community in London much better than we work, I have to say. Um, and it's also a trust, so it's a charity, which is also much better than we work. Um, and we are in a community that is dedicated to the creativity, the arts, to sustainability, uh, you know, heritage and all of those things. So that is a, it allows us to recruit and retain people who are, you know, who are coming to work for more than just coming to work to make money. And increasingly, and I see this through my kids, that's what's motivating. So, um, so in the world in which we live, uh, I think you know there's going to be dramatic change from generation to generation, and trying to do our bit to a set the world in a slightly better track than it is at the moment. And I'm not sure our generation of 
politicians are necessarily doing that, or business people, but there are examples emerging. Um, you know, our, the, the, the most, the more we can do, and the more we can um, champion our Springwise innovators and help our teams kind of have a great time and appreciate what we're doing, the better we would be. So, the net is I'm having a great time. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, so the way I think about it, what you just said is that for businesses, there's no reason. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to allow your staff, your team to feel relevant, have responsibility and have autonomy, which seem to be the three key points. And and uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to my, our mutual friend, classmate, Roland Whitehead, who's CEO of Kuru, who works at Somerset House. Oh, and so good. hopefully we'll have a chance to powwow together. So, James, tell us how, uh, just to give us a wrap up on the best ways to link with you, get your book, uh, find out about Reset and uh, sign up for a subscription to Springwise. OK, so um, springwise.com, uh, a little thing will pop up and say, would you like to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter? Uh, there's a page on Disrupt, which is also available in all good bookstores. Um, independent bookstores as well as um, as well as on Amazon. So it's Disrupt: A Hundred Lessons in Business Innovation by James Bidwell. Um, and then Reset is um, James at thisisreset.com. So re- Reset is the consultancy business, um, and that's uh, they are my places. I, I don't um, do any. We have we have Twitter and um, Facebook feeds for the businesses, but not personally for, for other reasons. So uh, yeah, so please contact uh, anytime. Brilliant, James. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep that wonderful smile and energy, and I look forward to staying in touch. Likewise, thank you so much, Minta. Brilliant. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please like the handy Facebook button, or better yet, head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. But first, relax to Josh Sachs's finger paint. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of self-secure. Yeah, I wouldn't care about the art for
You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.